Well, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. If you don't remember who I am, I am Ricky Ayala, the senior pastor who has been away for the last two weeks. Uh, I want to say thank you so much for your support, your prayers, and to our leadership council, to our staff, our volunteers. Uh, I spent time with my family as well as celebrating on my 27th honeymoon slash anniversary with Ani. Uh, and I can't believe, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. I can't believe that she has put up with me for the last 27 years, but I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, but w- what a great opportunity to come back to and uh, start a new sermon series that is at the movies. Uh, the, the goal for this uh, series that's going to run through the whole month of July is that we're going to uh, get clips from movies and then try to put some biblical uh, uh, understanding in the midst of uh, those those clips. Uh, Today's message is uh, dealing with a movie that's titled American Underdog. It falls in line with, based on a true story about the uh, NFL quarterback named uh, Kurt Warner. Ever since he was little, uh, his dream was to be an NFL uh, quarterback. And it came time in uh, when he went after uh, high school, he went to college, to Northern Iowa uh, uh, College, and he was there for five years. But he only, he was benched, he was on the bench for four out of those five years. It wasn't until his final, his last, his fifth, final year, that he got a chance to be, have uh, uh, playing uh, on the field um, for that college. And then he was uh, then undrafted as a free agent by the uh, Green Bay Packers. And so with that excitement and everything else that he got drafted, he goes and starts, and then he was cut by that team even before that season began. So if anything else, if you uh, have uh, lived a life that you, you, you know that you want to go to something, you want to get something, you want to uh, uh, achieve this or that, and then when those obstacles, there's going to be obstacles in our way, how do we react? Well, we react by getting discouraged. We react by having a disheartening, like I'm not, I'm not going to continue doing this anymore. But you know that there's a passion inside of you that you know that you can get, get it done. Well, for him, uh, he, he was disheartened. It was discouraging for him. Uh, he ended up in uh, a, a supermarket stocking shelves. And, and to uh, add insult you know, to the already feeling the way he was, uh, the, the story mentions that he was putting up those cereal boxes that at that time, I don't know if they still do, they would have pictures of like NFL players or things on the boxes. And I'm sure that he also felt that pain when it says, I could have been on a cereal box during the time that he was stacking shelves. It came time that there was a sub-zero uh, uh, temperatures in Iowa, and uh, he ended up uh, then signing up with, uh, you know, reluctantly. He signed up for a new uh, uh, game that was called Arena Football. It was separate from NFL football, it was Arena Football, and he started as the quarterback for them of the Iowa Barnstormers. Barnstormers. And he uh, was there for three years, and when he got to the championship game, they lost the championship game. And so if anything, I was like, man, well, I got to the championship game and here's something else that I'm not achieving. I can't believe it. But at that very moment, he got an opportunity to go for the St. Louis Rams under the direction of offensive coordinator uh, Martz and the coach uh, Dick Vermeil. And then that year, there was a start. He ended up being the, the, the backup quarterback for that team. 
And uh, the preseason, the starting quarterback, Trent Green, was injured. And here he is. Here's his moment that he's been thinking about since he was a little, uh, little boy that he was going to get an opportunity to go out on the field and play for the NFL team. And he goes out there on the first, you know, as they, they, they huddle up and they're, he's moving the team with the rest of his teammates. They're heading towards the, the, their, their goal line that they can uh, have a touchdown. And I'm sure he's excited. He throws a ball, what was intercepted by the uh, defensive uh, uh, player, Ray Lewis, from the Baltimore uh, Ravens. And so from that moment, here he is. He's all hyped up, I'm sure, and the, probably the butterflies that are taking place in his life. But, but here he is. He's having that moment. He throws a pass that gets intercepted. And what does he do? He goes over to the bench. Probably thinking, uh, if you were him, I and mean, put yourself in his shoes, if you were him, what would you feel like, you know, knowing that you've got this opportunity, and then you make a mistake, and then it gets intercepted, and then everybody else is, uh, all the, you feel like all the pressure is now on you, because all eyes have been on you. You see, as a rookie quarterback, you're, you're doing a second, the, you're, the, you're the backup quarterback to the starter. The starter goes down injured. You get in, and I'm sure all the eyes, he was feeling that pressure of people saying, what's this rookie going to be doing? And so he's in the bench, and while he's in the bench, the offensive um, coordinator, March, gives him a call. And this is the first clip I want you to see. And by the way, if you're, before you, I'm sorry, if you, before we start, if you're watching online, due to copyright laws, we can't show you online, so there's going to be a blank screen for you. So that means that if you want to watch the clips uh, during this month, you're going to have to come to church inside, uh, on-site. Just want to let you know that. Uh, for those of you who are on-site, please enjoy this clip, and we'll be right with you. Bring it. Let's do it. Let's bring it, all right? <laughs> Isn't that something when you, when you've, uh, you ever feel down and out? And you get a phone call or a visit by somebody, and then it lifts up your spirits and saying, I got to get out of this rut that I'm in. And that's what happened to the quarterback, uh, Kurt Warner. Here he is. He's trying to lead his team, and it takes the encouraging words from the coach to go and say, I believe in you. If I didn't believe in you, you wouldn't be out on, on, the, on the field. So go out there and go get him. And then it's at that very moment, as you saw the video, when he says, hey, coach, thanks. That was important. It's important for us to get words of encouragement from time to time, and we know the, the importance of those words of encouragement. But just as important is what we do after we get those words of encouragement. It took courage for Kurt uh, Warner to go get back on the field, the same field that he had just made an error in, that he had just failed in. And how about in our lives when we uh, have to go back to something knowing that we failed in this, mo in this area right here that we have to have the courage to go back into it so that way we continue to chug along, to fight it, and go and uh, end up where, to achieve the goal that we intended to have in the very first place. And I loved how the, not only was he having the, uh, the words of encouragement from his coach, uh, the offensive coordinator, but he got on the, on the huddle, as you saw there, and you got other team members that were there on the team and, and really hyping him up and, and having the encouragement, and one of them says, hey, we got your back no matter what. Oh, I could just feel myself in that huddle. I say, let's do this, guys. 
the courage that it took for Kurt to go back on that field. You know, there's a Hebrew word that's translated courage that means to be sharp, strong, confirmed. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that courage is the mental and moral strength to venture, to persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Brings us into today's uh, message in the scripture, and I can select several off the top of my head of what I could bring to you, but I select, it was selected of uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, beginning on verse 5. But let me give you a little context of what's happening here before I do read it. Moses, God's servant, that tried to lead the people out of uh, Egypt, you know, in towards the, the promised land. You know the story that he went, kept on going back to Pharaoh, let my people go, which was the instructions that God had given Moses when God had given Aaron for, uh, for him to be there as his assistant and to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land that God had ready for them. There came a time that Moses did something. Caused, you know, and then the, the word is he died. All right, that was not a, a, a surprise of what was happening at that very moment because in the very first verse of this same chapter, uh, God is giving an instructions to Joshua saying, look, my servant Moses is dead. That's a given. And although you may miss him, although you're probably wondering who's going to take charge of this, which by the way, on the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 28 it does tell us that Joshua, the son of Nun, was Moses' assistant ever since he was a young of age. And so he must have seen Moses and the dealings of Moses and how he led the people. And then now, obviously, he's one of those that was impacted. He was saddened. He was probably on the sideline, on the bench, wondering, what now? There's, there's a, there, there, where's this group going to go? Where's the people of God going to continue moving if the leader is dead? And here a word comes to Joshua, and that's where we find ourselves in verse 5. The word says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Ooh, those are words of encouragement to somebody that may have been feeling down, somebody that may have been feeling on the bench and then wondering what's happening now. But the words of encouragement to Joshua from God is saying, be strong and courageous the same way that I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And then the instructions, all, the, the, the scripture is also saying that God is telling him, you're the one. You are the one that's going to lead my people to the land where I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. He needed words of encouragement. But just as important is the reaction when it talks about courage, especially when you don't know. And some of us in our lives, we probably feel that we are on the bench and we need the words of encouragement, 
but also courage in our lives because even sometimes when we hear the words of encouragement, we sometimes dismiss it because we're so down and out, we're so disheartened, so discouraged, so disappointed, so depressed that even when people are saying words of encouragement, that may not be enough for you. Because not only are you receiving it, but now you have to then act upon it. Acting upon it, it takes courage to go out in a world that's not really friendly, that's not really loving. In the midst of darkness, where can we be the light and light of Jesus in us? And but you can you can say those words, but can we act upon them? There's a scripture, I believe, in the book of James says, uh, be not only hearers of the word, but doers. Don't just hear the message, do it. And sometimes we just get words but with no action. But man, I tell you, when they went out, when, when, when Kurt Warner received those words and then he thanked uh, the, his offensive coordinator and said, you know, uh, thank you, coach, and he went back in there into the huddle, I want to share with you something else. It is important that we understand as Christians that we are not alone, that we are not forsaken, that God did not leave us as orphans in this world, that his presence can be with us through his precious Holy Spirit. But just as that is important, we also need people that are going to be in our huddle. Maybe you probably have received, uh, when, when people are, are friends or family members that you feel that they're, they're in your huddle and then you mess up. And you probably, have, instead of getting words of encouragement, they laugh at you. They, they actually bring you more down than you were. Because you go to them or hoping just to be able to hear you out. And, and if anything, just, you don't have, they don't have to say anything, but just be, be one of those sounding boards. But then all of a sudden, they, they start talking to you and talking down at you. And then it gets even worse when they start gossiping what you're going through with other people. So you feel betrayed. And, you, and all of a sudden, you, that you, you go a little deeper into the pit. And you thought that the, the, the bench was bad enough. It's actually worse. You feel like you're on the floor. And it's stopping from you living life. So my encouragement to you, ladies and gentlemen, is, is continue to build your relationship with God, but also to select individuals that you feel you can trust, and even knowing that when you fail, that they're not going to judge you, but help you out along the way, just similar to those others in that huddle, to say, look, we got your back no matter what. That can happen at work, that can happen at home, that can happen in your marriage. For 27 years of mar uh, uh, that I celebrated with Ani, it's like, and one, somebody at the, uh, at the nine o'clock told me, what, 27 years? You guys are newlyweds. I said, well, how, how, how long? He says, 51 years they've been together, and the last three have been the best. No, oh, no. <laughs> You know, part of that is, ladies and gentlemen, is it, it, it happens in marriage, too. But boy, when you, when you know when you fail at something, when you, whether it's at work, whether it's in your home, whether it's at church, when you can have people that you can trust and say, look, I, I messed up. And I loved how he, Kurt Warner, said, look, that was, the last one, that was my bad. That was mine. All me. 
but the way that others, that others came alongside of him, and I love that in the analogy of football, you got the lineman that's all there, you got the center, the center has the ball, the quarterback's behind him, he gives him the ball, he takes a few steps back, and what happens when that takes place is that the, 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 the defense, the, the quote-unquote the enemies, the ones that are trying to hurt you, are coming at you, and it creates a pocket that goes around you. They don't stay in the same line. It goes on and becomes a little pocket and it's saying to stay in the pocket. That way you're able to look around because you're trusting the other people that are around you when the pressures of life come your way. So my question is, do you have those individuals that are coming alongside of you in the midst of words of encouragement to say, look, we ha- you, let, let's do this together. You're not alone. Let's get yourself out of that pit. Let's get yourself out of that bench. We need you on the field. That way you're able to stay in the pocket in the midst of the trials and tribulations that are coming along your way, that in the midst of this, you also got God. You can't forget about God. Sometimes we, we, we depend too much on man and, and woman that we, that we forget about God. No, God is number one, and then you, you surround yourself with people who can allow for you to stay in the pocket. Joshua needed those words. We need the, those words at times. There's actually a, uh, an ancient Greek word that says uh, tarseo, which means to have courage, be hopeful, and be bold. Joshua had the daunting task of leading God's people after Moses died. In order for us to be courageous, we must always remember that if we are Christians, that we are never alone, however isolated or forsaken we feel at times. Who's in your huddle? You know, after Kurt was called by that offensive coordinator, he went right back into the huddle, as you saw. As I mentioned, I loved it when his teammates also gave him words of encouragement there. So he didn't hear just from the coach. He heard it from his, the, the closest that were around him that were going to battle to get to where they needed to go to. And here's what happens next. From this game, Kurt Warner took the Rams to their first playoff berth since 1989 and then on to the Super Bowl where he led a drive in the last final minutes, two minutes, to defeat the Tennessee Titans. Kurt and his wife Brenda are devout Christians and are open about how their faith has shaped their lives both on and off the field. Before I finish out this part here, just interesting opening lines from the movie. It says that over a million athletes play high school football every year in America, each with a dream of their own. Only about 5% of them make it to college ball. And only 1% of those get drafted to the NFL. Most don't stay in the league for more than three years. Most are not quarterbacks. Only a select few will ever play in a Super Bowl. And each year, there's only one MVP of that game. Ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Warner, after all that he had gone through, was able to achieve becoming the, going to the Super Bowl and become the MVP. In the midst of his life, when some people thought that he was too old to do something, that he was too old of a rookie, that year, the St. Louis Rams was, uh, oh, that story was like a Cinderella story known as the greatest story on turf. 
Where are we at, ladies and gentlemen, that in your life? I heard Daniel say earlier to, uh, today uh, in, the, in the opening uh, set of worship songs, maybe if there's a feeling of different mountains here, the weight that you may have because you probably feel like you're sidelined. I hope that the words of encouragement to you today is that God needs you. You can, we need the hands and feet of Jesus, that Christ is the head of that body, and I don't want to get into too much because I think it leads into another sermon that's coming up this coming uh, month. But I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, get the words of encouragement to yourself and stop being on the sidelines. It is time for, yeah, you failed. You know what? We all fail. There's a time, there's a moment in time when I was a, a, a softball coach and for the girls softball, and, and I had another assistant coach that also said uh, that he was a, played minor league baseball. Anytime, we said, we gotta tell the girls that they're going to fail. They can't be afraid of failure because it's going to happen. At one point or another, anything can happen that they can, the, the ball, that when they throw it, it can go a different direction. When they're fielding, the ball can go right between their legs. There's going to be times when they're going to fail and they're gonna be feeling down, but give them five seconds. Five seconds to shake it off because if they don't shake it off within those five seconds, their mind is going to be on that play that they just messed up in and they won't know what else to do. They won't know what the next play is going to be because their mindset is still on what just the, the error that just happened. So we usually provide any time that it happened and they knew it, we would raise up our hands. That means five, five seconds. Shake it off. We didn't have to say anything. In our dugout, the coaches putting up their hands. And after a while, the other players caught on, and then they were also joined in and showing those, the individual that had just, their teammate that had just made an error, it's okay, five seconds, shake it off, we got this, let's go. Maybe you've been disappointed, discouraged, disheartened, and you're still down and out, and you're still thinking about that failure that has just happened, and because you're thinking about that failure, you're not allowing yourself to focus on the next play. God wants us to lead a great life that we, that we can give him honor and glory. There's so much to do in this world and that we can get utilized by God is just amazing. But it's not going to be happening if you're on the bench because you, feel, you have received the blows of life and you're out and you feel like you're down and out. You're here and you're here for a purpose. Therefore, sometimes finding what that purpose is can take a little longer, but do something. Don't stay in the stand and on the sidelines. Get those words. I pray those words of encouragement to you are received today, but just as important, don't just receive it. Have the courage, ladies and gentlemen, to do something about it. And what you do is to provide, to give honor and glory to God and what you do is that others can also see it and they can also be connected by the true source, our Lord and Savior, the creator of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ is in our midst. And therefore, when we have those words, just like what happened to Joshua, later on, Jesus, uh, the Lord had given him word, be strong and courageous three times in the middle of a few verses. And I love that the last time he said it, he said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that is so true in church. We can be down and out, ladies and gentlemen, but we have God, and we're, and, and we're, as a church here at New Hanover, we're gonna continue moving forward. We're in a church on the move. And I pray that you are not on the sidelines because you've been discouraged before. We need you, God needs you. So much work to be done. Let us pray. 
Loving and gracious God, we come before your presence and thanking you for another day of life. Because you've given us another day of life as another day of opportunities, as another day that we can get off the bench by the words of encouragement that you can have, but also seek others that will come alongside of us in our huddle that can encourage us, and no matter what, we're going to continue moving forward. We need them, Lord. Help us find them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I love this part of the month of the, uh, that we're able to have communion together. So I'm going to ask for the, the, the sanctuary lights to go at least uh, uh, 50% here because if you, didn't have your, if you didn't pick up your little communion cups, uh, please raise your hand. Uh, ushers will go around and, uh, and provide one for you because as I go over to the communion table. Now, as I do this, ladies and gentlemen, if you're here for the very first time, I say I love this part of of the month because this is not the denominational table or this is Christ's table that is set before you by a moment of invitation. It is not pressured. And that's why if you want to take communion, make sure that you have these little cups uh, and please hold on to them. I'll I'll lead you and guide you as for what we're going to do there. But it reminds us of what Christ has done for you and for me. On the night before he gave himself up on the cross that he died, he had a meal with his disciples. And in that meal, he was able to take bread. He gave thanks. He then broke it and told them, take and eat for this is my body broken for you. He then took the cup He gave thanks and told him, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for many for their forgiveness of sins. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes those, the, the weight that we have on ourselves is the weight of, uh, of failing and falling short of God's glory. And so we're therefore having that stress and, and that weight that is separating us from getting up and, and having that relationship with God and with our neighbors. And I pray that maybe with that is, is sin in our lives. So let's just pray for a moment. And if you have a, a hurt or a weight that's carrying you down from living life that life that God has been wanting you to live that and it's a sin in your life that you can ask and repent of your sins so let let me let me pray and God at this very moment before we come up and, and and we come and take communion to remember what you have done for us through the body that was broken the blood that was shed for our sins God we feel this pain we feel this weight on our lives. We feel that it is holding us up from what you want us to do in life, and we sometimes feel that we're on the bench because of an error that has happened that we have caused. So at this very moment, God, I just pray that you listen to your people as they ask for forgiveness for the wrong that they have done. Hear them now, Lord. We thank you, God, for receiving these prayers. 
repentance of sins, God. And as a forgiven people, that we can come before your presence and say thank you. Thank you for what Christ has done for us. One of them is to show his disciples how to pray, and we continue with that prayer when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.